This morning I invite you to turn to 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 7. What I'm going to do today and the next couple of weeks is to follow up a little bit on this series that I preached toward the end of last year on hearing God or listening to God. I'm going to share a few messages today in particular today in the next couple of weeks on meditation. And uh, hopefully that will help you in, to listen to God, to be able to tune in to Him. God put a burden on me in my personal life as well as one that I feel I need to share with you as a church, and that is that we be people of prayer. We know we want to see God working in our midst. We want to see people's lives changed. We want to we want to experience his blessings. And prayer is the greatest part of making that possible. We need to be in constant communication with him. And as I was sharing with you toward the end of the year last year, listening to God is a very, very important part of prayer. The reality is that if we have to do all the talking, we're not going to accomplish that much. Most of us might last for a few minutes, and then our mind starts going elsewhere. But if we listen to God, and part of that, part of being able to listen to God is to learn how to reflect or meditate upon his word. Meditation is a concept that is really kind of foreign in Western, Western minds. Eastern religions come to mind when we mention the word meditation. And the reality is that meditation and its scriptural application is of great value to a Christian. If a Christian is going to listen to God, he needs to get himself quiet. And he needs to focus himself upon God, upon his character, his power, his authority, his ways, and his will. God will reveal those things to us when we are quiet before him. It is not a matter of emptying our mind. There are some people, well, with Eastern meditations, that you are supposed to empty your mind of all thoughts. No, you are focusing your mind upon God, his character, and his will, and his word. Perhaps no other man has pursued this godly endeavor any more fervently or fruitfully than David. David, King David. Shepherd David, David that slayed Goliath, David who became, as scripture describes him, a man after God's own heart. Well, if he was going to become a man after God's own heart, he first of all had to know the mind and heart of God. And then to a large, to a large extent, David accomplished that by practicing Meditation. He was persistent in reflecting upon God. Now, granted, he lived in a society where he was a shepherd to begin with, but he carried it on through his adult life. 
He carried it on even when he was in battles and in and, and wars. He knew that spending time with God was important. And meditating upon him and his ways was so important. A vivid illustration is going to be found in the passage we're going to be looking at today in 2 Samuel 7. In this chapter we find that David had reached a point in his reign of rest. He wasn't fighting wars at this moment. His war campaigns were no longer. Now he was contemplating the building of a temple to honor God, to worship God. The prophet Nathan gave him an encouraging message of God's faithfulness. Gave him the Lord's plan for constructing the temple. And we find in 2 Samuel 7 his response to that. And we read it as a prayer. But I think we mistake it. We, we make a mistake if we think of this prayer as just something that flowed naturally out of his mouth. This is a prayer that flowed out of his mouth after he had spent a period of time meditating and reflecting upon who God was, what he was doing in and through his life. And as we look at the, and take apart this passage of scripture, it gives us a good pattern, uh, if you will, a, a way of understanding how to meditate and how to reflect upon God's word and upon God's character and his will. Begin reading with me in the 18th verse. 2 Samuel, verse 18 2 Samuel 7, verse 18. This is his response. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people, Israel, as your very own forever. And you, O Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise that you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised, so that your name will be great forever. Then men will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to offer this prayer. O sovereign Lord, you are God. Your words are trustworthy, and you have promised these 
good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Let's pray for a moment. Father, as we reflect upon these words, and then we look at our own prayers, and these these words seem so much greater than ours. But Father, the reality is, any heartfelt prayer is heard by you and is meaningful to you. Any heartfelt prayer helps us to grow in our relationship with you. I realize that David spent a lot of time with you. Time meditating and reflecting on who you were and what you wanted to do in and through his life. He had a close walk with you. And Father, I I pray that each one of us would grow to the point where we desire to have a close walk with you like David did. And that we will prioritize it in our lives. And it will become a reality. It will become a part of us. It will become perhaps the most important part of our life that we spend time with you, both talking and listening. Teach us from your word how to go about this. Speak to our hearts and draw us into a closer walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice the phrase that he sat before the Lord. He's not talking about sitting in a recliner like most of us think of it. Nothing wrong with sitting in a recliner unless it makes you go to sleep all the time. Okay? But you need to have the picture of David on his knees, leaning back on his heels, meditating and praying. Get that picture in your mind. Some of us perhaps need to do that just to stay awake. I know when I hit my recliner, I can have the most interesting program on TV and I can space out through half of it. Get a golf tournament on and I guarantee you I'm going to fall asleep. And I love watching golf. Super Bowl, if I'm watching it by myself, I bet I could fall asleep then too. That's why I like to get together with other people and watch the Super Bowl because then there's a little something going on that keeps me awake. Do what you need to do to spend time focusing upon God. Focusing upon His Word. Focusing upon His character. Focusing upon His will. For His insights. Insights into Scripture. Insights into your problems. Focusing upon Him and His solutions. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packard gives us a good working definition of what meditation is. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works 
and the ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, and by the help of God as a means of communion with God. Its purpose is to clear one's mental and spiritual vision of God and to let his truth make its full and proper impact on one's mind and heart. It is a matter of talking to oneself about God and oneself. It is indeed often a manner of arguing with oneself, reasoning oneself out of moods of doubt and unbelief into a clear appreciation of God's power and grace. It is, its effect is to ever humble us as we contemplate God's greatness and glory in our own littleness and sinfulness and to encourage and reassure us. Comfort us in the old, strong Bible sense of the word as we contemplate the unsearchable riches of divine mercy displayed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Meditation is something that ought to be a part of our daily priorities. It is one area where Satan will constantly try to trip us up. He will try to attack us there as he does no other place. As we examine the rewards and the results of meditation, we will soon realize that it, it can't be secondary. It needs to be primary. I mentioned the aspect of David being out watching sheep. That was a quiet time. It's important to get quiet. It's harder to get quiet today, isn't it? We always have a radio, a TV, something going. We've got music playing. We've got all this stuff going on in our lives. We, we've got activities everywhere. We've got all this stuff, and we've got our mind being bombarded with all of this stuff, and we don't know how to get quiet with God, and yet we need to get quiet with him. We need that silence. We need to hear his still, small voice. Meditation is not just for pastors or spiritual leaders. God gave us all this practice so that we might better relate to him personally, privately, we need meditation. It begins when we get alone with him and are quiet before him. It may be five minutes one day. It may be 20 minutes. It may be an hour, half hour. The critical point is that you take some time and you're quiet and still before the Lord. Seeking to get his direction and understand his purpose in your life. Finding direction and purpose is only one benefit, however. Psalms uh, 119, 97 to 100 lists some other of the rewards of meditation, such as wisdom and discernment and insight and heightened obedience. Let me read that passage. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Catch that? All day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Joshua 1.8 is another great verse that brings out the benefits of meditation. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Psalms 
chapter 1, right at the beginning. Second and third verse puts it this way. But delight, delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's the introduction. I want to share four quick things as we see it in this passage of Scripture. Number one, we need to review the past. That is a good place to begin. It's an excellent place to begin. One of the first things that David did, if you look in the latter part of verse 18, he says, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me thus far? He remembered his fight with Goliath. He remembered the years that he spent running from, from Saul. The battles that he had won over the years with different, different nations. And now he had peace in his life. Now he could reflect upon the wonderful works of his Lord. And God, God had taken care of him. This will, this, as we see so many times in the Psalms, caused him to break out in praise and thanksgiving to God. And that is a very important part, but it, it begins with reflecting, reflecting upon the past and what God has done. So as we meditate, we should focus on how God has operated in our lives in the past. We should look for his hand in all of our dealings. We need to be careful not to forget. That's why journaling is one of the best practices you can have, to jot things down so that you can look back and you can remember how God has delivered you in times past, how God has blessed you, how God has brought you through difficult circumstances. But we also see his correcting, don't we? Times where he has corrected your path and your direction. He has comforted you. He's exhorted you or encouraged you. As a result, you can better see his moving in your lives at the present time as you are reflecting upon him. Second thing is to reflect upon God. Look in verse 19. And as if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign God, God, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? What can David say to you? For you know your servant, O sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. As we begin to reflect upon God, Having remembered his past, now focusing upon God, the God who is with you now at this moment, you need to remember his greatness, first of all. How great he is, how awesome he is. Then you need to remember his grace and his mercy as he has worked with you and been patient with you and you need to be patient with others. And then we need to reflect upon his goodness, that he is good. In him there is no evil. When we meditate upon his greatness, one of the ways to do that is to reflect upon his names, Jehovah or Yahweh, Elohim, everlasting Father, infinite in power, absolute in faithfulness. When you begin to think about his different names and understand what they are, and you may need the help of a study Bible or a concordance to understand what those words mean. But what happens is that those gigantic mountains of trouble and heartache 
that are in your life begin to shrink in comparison with his might and his majesty. In the light of his presence, in the greatness of God, we realize that nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is impossible in our lives. And our burdens dissipate in his presence. What happens if you just focus on your difficulties? And I've heard many a prayer like that. I've heard prayers that were in all reality pity parties. As, you just, as, as the individual just explains. In fact, I've been guilty of it at times. We, when we focus on our problems, it enlarges the problems. It makes them bigger than they really are. When we focus on God, our problems are diminished. We have his perspective we have his understanding. Puts things in proper perspective. That's why I like that old hymn. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. And life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You don't have to take a hymnal home with you. If you got a computer, Google it. That's what I did so I could just copy and paste those words. But you can take a song like that and just reflect upon it and realize how great God is. Jeremiah Denton was a prisoner of war in North Vietnam for several horrendous years. As one of the highest-ranking American captives, he was subject to grueling torture, spending most of his time in solitary confinement. In such circumstances, it would be hard not to focus on the pain and the seeming hopelessness of the situation. And yet Denton not only survived, but he came back and was elected a United States senator from Alabama. How did he survive? He stated on many occasions the essential survival skill that he had going for him was quoting passages from the Bible. He didn't have a Bible with him. Those were passages that he had memorized in times past. Passages that he had internalized, made a part of him. And they became the unseen sword that enabled him to to fend off the cruelest of the weapons of the enemy. He could fight off discouragement and depression by inwardly focusing on the power of God to sustain him and to strengthen him. And he was, he was able to rise above the squalor of his existence. Have you internalized any of God's word so that you can reflect on it throughout the day? so that you can reflect upon it when troubled times come your way, I encourage you to do so. And that quiet time with him is a good time to start memorizing a verse or two at a time and then build upon it. Third thing you need to do, as we see it in this passage of Scripture, is to remember God's promises. Look at verse 28. O sovereign Lord, you are God, your words are trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. He was recalling God's promise to establish his name and his family on an everlasting basis. Think about it. When we kneel or sit before the Lord, we meditate upon him. It's good for us to remember 
and reflect upon his promises as we find them in Scripture. He has promised us peace. He's promised us provision. He's promised us protection. These are things that all of his children can claim as promises that he has made to us. And when we meditate upon them and remember the promises he's given us, then our faith grows and our fears dissolve. David understood that many times in the caves when he was hiding from Saul. He would have six to 20,000 men searching for him, searching all throughout the country. And David would take those times where he isolated himself in a cave and he would focus his attention upon God. And under the stars, whether it was in a cave or under the stars or in the darkness of night, David focused on God, God who had equipped him, equipped him to slay Goliath, who had given him a swiftness of body and keenness of mind. He remembered God who had allowed him to, to, to avoid the penetrating javelin of Saul as he focused upon God, fixed his inner thoughts upon him. His fears and his frustrations were taken away. They were soothed by the very presence of God with him. We saw Jesus constantly when he was here on earth getting off by himself to have a quiet time with the Lord. We saw David doing this through all of his campaigns. When he didn't, he created problems for himself. It's important for each one of us to keep us on true north, I think is what Garrett said earlier today. Keep us centered. Keep us focused upon God. The final thing that I want to bring your attention is a natural outgrowth when you spend time with the Lord like this, reflecting and meditating upon Him and His ways, register a response. That's the most natural thing to do as we sit before the Lord in meditation. We don't just listen. We talk to Him. We register a response. And there is a time to make that response. Sometimes it is, oftentimes, in fact, it's in the form of a request. Verse 29, you see, now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing the house of your servant will be blessed forever. What a tremendous request. I mean, he doesn't just ask God to bless his family. He asks for everlasting favor. <laughs> and the neat thing is, God answered his prayer. Sometimes the response that we need to make is an obedient action. As he has brought something to our attention and we need to act upon it and take care of it, rectify it if we need to. Sometimes we know, we discover, as we spend time with the Lord, that we've been holding some ill will towards somebody. And he wants us to repent of it where it will interfere in our relationship with him. Sometimes there's just a deepening commitment that he wants us to make so that we can truly say that we are giving him our body and our soul and our strength, that we're giving him all of us, that we're not just giving him 
part of it. I think back to an illustration I've used before. Can you imagine if when Pam and I got married, I said to her, I am committing myself to you, but I'm going to reserve one day out of the month that I can do whatever I want to with whomever I want to. How do you think she would have taken that? And yet so many of us are saying, God, I'll give you Sunday morning, but you let me live my life the rest of the week. Something's wrong with that picture, isn't it? He wants us to be fully committed to him. Every fiber of our being wants us to love him and to love others. By loving others, we're loving him. We're carrying out his mission here on earth. Let's pray together. Father, help us to be more Christ-centered in our lives. Help us to learn how to carve away some time that we can spend alone with you in quietness, meditating upon your word, upon your ways, upon your will for our lives. Help us to know you more deeply, more intimately with each passing day. Help us to grow. To grow in our faith. (coughs) Teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.